In this episode of Tamarindo, you'll get to learn a little more about us through a fun game we play, and we share our over 30 wisdom in a segment where we answer your burning career questions. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Tamarindo Podcast. Hosted by me, Brenda Gonzalez, a political nerd and nonprofit capacity builder. And me, Ana Sheila Victorino, a queer well-being enthusiast and mindset coach. We are a Latinx empowerment podcast discussing politics, culture, and how to keep your calma with well-being practices and self-love. Welcome to the show. Woo! All right. Welcome back. Tamarindo listeners, Ana Sheila, how are you? What's up? What's up, Tamarindo amigos? I'm good. ¿Qué pasa contigo, Brenda? You know, what I'm thinking of right now this morning, I had my cafecito and I'm very blessed, hashtag blessed, that I live near La Monarca, <laughs> which is great, and also Tierra Mía, which is also great. And I just have to share my dilemma. I love... One of them because they have excellent customer service. And I like the other one because the coffee's just better. <laughs> so uh, every morning it's like, where will I go? Do I want to be treated terribly but get delicious coffee? Or do I want to be greeted as soon as I walk in the door and just felt like a, like a un, un abrazo, but the coffee isn't good? <laughs> which of the two? Wait. Can you guess which is which? <laughs> I think I can guess. I think La Monarca has better service. Yes, they have excellent service, but the coffee's just not yes. that great. <laughs> not that great. Yeah, I agree with you, but you just keep going back because you just love them. Yes, they're very <laughs> sweet. It's, I, I'm just a privileged, lucky person because both of them are Latinx owned and I could go to either one and still feel good about myself. It's better than Starbucks, that's for sure. But I spread the love yes. between the two. So, Ana Sheila, ¿qué pasa contigo? You know, it's fall, it's spooky season, and I'm like a recent years, like only in the last few years have I really become a, a convert to like really loving fall and loving spooky season. So I'm just really excited because I've never been... I've never been in Mexico for this. And so it's not, obviously it's not just spooky season, but oh, Dia de los Muertos and honoring the lives of our loved ones. And so obviously this has become more special for me in recent years. So I'm really excited because I'm going to go to Pascuaro, Michoacán, which is a place in Mexico that really honors the traditions of the Dia de los Muertos really beautifully. And they, there's like boats that like have decorations on the lakes and beautiful altars. So I'm really excited about that. Also, I think we're going to dress up this year. Obviously, didn't dress up last year. So Kim and I are thinking about dressing up. And I would love some ideas because I, you know, always want to do something creative. Kim's idea right now is that we be, ¿cómo se llaman? The people from Chavo del Ocho. La Chilindrina. <laughs> La Chilindrina. <laughs> no, Profesor Girafales and like Florinda, I think. Is. Doña Florinda. But I don't know. I feel Doña like Florinda. It's a, Doña Florinda. <laughs> Yeah, so that is currently on the table. I feel like it's kind of like played out. It is a little played out, but you two will be adorable. That's how you, I feel. You'll be adorable doing it. If you have an idea for me or, you know, listeners, I would love for y'all to send me ideas también, what me and Kim can dress up as. I don't know if you have an idea for me right now, Brenda. I don't, I don't, I don't. But listeners should know that you're like a head and a half taller than her. So, so keep that in mind as you See, come up with your custom ideas. I know. I think we need to like play off of that and make that even funnier. Pero vamos a ver. So if y'all have any ideas for us, 
please send them to us. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So listeners, today we're doing something like I want to describe as when you go to a, a fiestita and they give you all the kids, they give all the kids a little bolsita and inside there's juguetes and candy. It's a mixed bag. I don't know what they call it, but that's what this episode is. Okay. It's a mixed bag. We're trying something new. We're going to have yes. something fun, do something a little bit light. And uh, because why not? Por que no? And we, we've been doing these episodes yes, weekly, that. and sometimes it takes us a, a hard time to think about what else should we talk about. So, um, we, but we appreciate hearing from all of you and all the love and suggestions and ideas. So the first thing we're going to do today is we're going to play a game of spin the wheel, basically spin the wheel. And we are going to take turns spinning this uh, wheel that you all can't see, but you can hear. Imagine a Wheel of Fortune right now. And we're going to just answer some questions that Anna Shayla and I came up with and populated this little wheel with so that we could just get to know each other a little better. It's both for Anna Shayla and I to get to know each other a little better. It's also for you all to get to know us a little bit better. We've heard people say, we want to know how you all met. We want to know more of your like backstory, more about us. And I think we get to talk to such fabulous people that we often lack the opportunity to just talk about each other. So that's what today mm -hmm. is, at least this first segment, this first little jueguito that we have right now. So I think, yes. um, Anna Sheila, do you want to go first or would you like me to go first? And I will, uh, obviously I'll spin it for you and I'll let you know what question it's landed on. I'll go first and I'll ask you. Okay. All right. So I'm going to spin our spin okay. the wheel here and, uh, yes. and I'll tell you where it so lands on the wheel. and then you'll read the question. It's for basically, okay, perfect. It's basically like we're having a house party este, yeah, like except Twister. we're at each other's houses. Yes. Imagine yes. Twister. And we even have, I, I, I even got a drink. I know. I wish I could, but it's too early over here. I decided it's just too early. Bueno, aquí va. I'm spinning the wheel. Oh, wow. Okay, so you encouraged me. Okay, dale, dale. <laughs> it's landed on nine. What is question nine? I believe it is, what's the first Spanish language album you have ever owned? Okay, uh, I believe that the first Spanish language album that I ever owned was the CD from Shakira. Pies Descalzos, probably. I don't know if that was the name of the album, but that's what the I'm remembering images of her Pies Descalzos. But that would be the first CD that I probably bought on a trip to Mexico. With your own money. Well, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? That I probably bought on a trip to Mexico, probably like a used, like one of those, what are they called? Pirata, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you, if it was on a trip to Mexico, was it a real CD or no? No, you know, it must, it must have been the real CD. I feel like I very vague, I very much remember the actual disc, the CD in my hand, you know, the hard plastic and pulling out the little papelito to learn the lyrics of the song. So that would be the very first Spanish language album that I ever purchased, que es una colombiana. Okay, my turn, Ana Sheila. So I'm going to spin the wheel here. Okay, the question is, Ana Sheila, what is your favorite trip to Mexico memory? Okay, so I think my favorite memory is actually like probably about 10 years ago now. My immediate family and mis abuelitos, we went to Jalisco and we went to the town in Jalisco that my grandfather is from. It's called Huejuquilla. And that was the first time that he had been there in like, in like over 30 years. And it was just really special to like walk through his town and like also go to the cemetery and see his like his ancestors and see him see his brother who he hadn't seen in, th in also very many years and um, we went to Guanajuato también and it was just really beautiful and I really appreciated having like that time with mis abuelitos and mis papas and my little brother 
that intergenerational like time that I think is really valuable. And I, I think that. that those are the memories that yeah, How old were you? those are the memories that make me feel um Quesaria, like 22 or something. Oh, wow. Yeah, like 22 okay, that's oh, great. Like that's great yeah. that you got to do that as an adult, too. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really appreciate it. And I think we always have those memories to look back on. So I, that's why I really think it's important that we keep creating memories with our parents and our grandparents as much as possible. Okay. Okay. I'm going to spin the wheel for you. All right. Number two. All right, Brenda. What is your celebrity crush now or in the past? Celebrity crush. Oh, gosh, there's been so many, so many celebrity crushes. I guess the one that's been the longest standing and maybe it's embarrassing, but I really think Ben Affleck is delicious. Like, I think he's a very good looking man. I I fell in love with him as soon as I saw Armageddon. His character in Armageddon is just so sweet and loving. Plus, the more I know about him, I mean, I think I want to say that I know he's really into politics and I want to say that his degrees are like in Iranian politics. And I think he's, I know he speaks Spanish. (laughs) I know that he's an intelligent man. And, you know, he's dating Jennifer Lopez. I would say that that's my longest standing celebrity uh, crush from the past and from now. So I'm going to go ahead and give him a matraca. Matraca to Ben Affleck. Because I do think he's cute. He's deli, deli, as they say here in Mexico. Muy deli. (laughs) Así dicen, that's cute. Just one little thing I'll add is that my first ever celebrity crush was actually J-Lo in middle school. That's when I was like, oh, como que me gustan las muchachas. That was like my first little, like, for sure, like, oh, shit. Like, what is this? Anyway, <laughs> little sidebar. Yes, yes. Many people would agree with you. Okay, so here we go. One more little spin. Okay, this time I'm asking you. So here we go, Shayla. If you could make any celebrity your best friend right now, who would it be and why? Oi, I feel like I came up with this question and I don't have an answer ready. <laughs> That's okay. Just think about it. I mean, whoever comes to mind, it doesn't have to be the answer, like one that you would like to hang out with. See, si, I feel like what gets people traba um, people in these questions is that they feel like they have to pick right, right, the they're absolute like, the one. No, just my like best right favorite. now, which celebrity would you like to go right. have a cafecito with? Yeah, like you said, I don't know if this is the very top person, but. I don't know. The, the name that came to me right now was um, Elaine Welteroth. She was an editor-in-chief, I think, or was at least of, of Teen Vogue, and then she's done a lot of other things. But she um, is a Black woman, Hefa. And I don't know. I just love her content. It makes me smile. I love seeing her love. Like, she just got married recently. No sé. I don't know what it is about her energy and what how she uses her, her platform. But she just seems like she'd be so much fun. She seems like she'd be really fun to hang out with and also is like very smart and like conscious. It sounds like someone that you could learn a lot from, right? When you when you hang out with them, like sounds like somebody in, like great person to spend your time with. Bueno, and this would be last one. This is you asking me. So here's our very last one. All right. So we got question number four. What is a spot Anywhere that you anywhere that you've been that brings you a lot of joy, Brenda. Gosh, so many places. So many places bring me a lot of joy. But let me think. Right now, the spot, it doesn't have to be your top one. Yeah, Brenda. yeah. My spot right now that brings me a lot of joy. I mean, I really love the State Historic Park in Los Angeles. It's close to my house. It's Frida, my dog's favorite place on earth. Like that is where her ashes will be spilled at some some point in her when she's gone to another place. She loves it. And I love it as well because it is this beautiful green 
huge green field. You can see downtown LA in the back and it's wonderful. And then you can also see the mountains to the back. And I love that I can walk to it. I love that it's accessible to one of the longest affordable housing developments that we've had in LA. So it's a, it's a, it's a community organized product, if you will, because it was the community that said, no, we want this green space. And I love that we get to enjoy it. My only beef with it is that it needs to open up earlier. It opens up at 8 a.m. And who's got time to get to the park at 8? Like, I need to get there at 6. <laughs> How do they close it? If they can close it? It's closed out. The whole thing uh, is closed out. Oh, you're right. Yeah, it's totally closed. You know, the last time I was in L.A. in September, I was actually there because they had a um, Mexican Independence Day celebration at that park. It's a great spot. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Very cute. Okay, well, that was a whole lot of fun. We're going to take a tiny little pause, and then we're actually going to get into some folks have been saying that they would love us to answer some career questions. You know, we're women in our 30s. We might have some wisdom to share. So we're going to take a second of a break, and then we'll be right back handling some career questions. All right, y'all. So on to the next segment of the show today. We're going to be talking about career questions. So we got these from the listeners. So here we go. We're going to start. So Brenda, here's one that might be good for you as someone from the nonprofit world. What advice do you have for those of us that work in nonprofits where the work is very rewarding, but the wages are low? Yes. Thank you for that question. And that question makes me think about a wonderful tweet that I just saw by Uh, My friend Rudy, our friend Rudy, who's been on the show before, who's the executive director of an organization, and his tweet says, those who work in nonprofit or community orgs can do more than community outreach. We can also write policy, assemble capital for economic development projects, and have just about any other skill that hashtag, or I'm sorry, quote, for-profit businesses have. The difference? We serve others and not ourselves. And I love that because I think it reminds folks that a lot of the skills that you might gain at a nonprofit are amazing skills and you're contributing to the greater good and not serving yourself necessarily because if you're working for a great organization with a great mission alignment, you're serving others. But it doesn't have to equal that you're paid horribly. That, that It doesn't have to be that way. There's many organizations that are very progressive that pay fair wages. And I would say Rudy is one of those organizations. They post the salary when they put a job job announcement. So I want to dispel the notion that because you work for a nonprofit, you are allowed to be treated horribly and you are allowed to get paid terrible wages. That is not the case. There, You ought to be looking for organizations that recognize your work and you ought to be speaking up if that work is not recognized or valued with an appropriate wage, right? Now, you shouldn't have the same expectations working at a nonprofit than you might have working at a, at a corporate bank, for example. They might have more resources. Maybe many for-profit entities might have additional resources that are not always available for a nonprofit. But I just don't want people to think that just because you work for a nonprofit, you have to get paid low wages. That is not the case. You don't very much deserve to have the same wages that you need to live in to survive. So that's because what I want to push back against. And I want to celebrate people like Rudy that are 
um, elevating what the skills that you can pick up working at a nonprofit. I guess the other thing that I'll say is that maybe you potentially you could be earning wages that maybe are not as high as you uh, might be envisioning. But if you can transfer those skills into something else that might be paying you, if you're if it, if pay if earning money is incredibly important to you and you want to earn a certain amount that you're not you're just not getting in the nonprofit world, there's no reason why you cannot market your skills for an entity that can pay you the wages that you might be envisioning. So, Anna Sheila, I have a perfect question that I think is really great for you, given your work with Launch Latinx. Maybe when you answer this, you could tell us a little bit about Launch Latinx. <laughs> but this listener writes, and, and I capture this person's question, but a lot of people sort of asked very similar questions to this. What advice do you have for someone that might want to go back to school to gain, or maybe gain a new skill for a career change? And here's another question that's kind of the same thing. Another listener asks, in considering how to pivot or switch careers, what do you recommend I start researching? Are there free or budget-friendly resources? So it sounds like people are really thinking about careers yeah. and pivots. So what are your thoughts on that, Anna Sheila? Right. Yeah, that is a great question. And that is a question that a lot of people are think about and, and debate. And so, um, so the first thing I want to say is like, what I would say, the first thing you do is ask yourself why you want to go to school, uh, back to school, for example. Um, so, and ask yourself a lot of whys until you get to the core, because sometimes people are like, oh, I want to go back to school because you think you should go back to school. And once you ask yourself, what's the reason for that? Then you actually get to, is, is it actually that you yourself want to go back to school or are you getting pressure um, from, from other places that that's like the thing that you need to do because you're, you're not sure of what to do. Cause sometimes people go back to school because they don't know what they want to do and they haven't actually asked themselves those hard questions. So that's what I would say. First, get to the the why of why you want to go back to school and kind of related to that thinking about like what is actually important to you as you think about school or changing careers because that'll help you kind of go towards a path that actually really fits who you are and not what again what you think you should do so like thinking about um, is flexibility important to you is money important to you is geographical freedom important to you is your impact important to you and I would think about those questions and, and rank them to help you decide um, what you really want to do right? Um, the next thing I would do is actually think about whether you actually need to go back to school for the job that you truly want. Now, when you've decided what want, what job you really want, because if you can avoid going back to school to get the job you want, like I would say, try to avoid it just because of how expensive going back to school is in, in the U S particularly in the loans. And a lot of times you go back to school, you get these loans and the jobs that you're looking at aren't offering a salary that will really allow you to like live and pay off your loans at the same time. So I would think about like, is there another path for you rather than going back to school? Um, I know I went to business school and going back, I don't know that I would have gone to business school because um, I was doing something, I was already in the field that I continued in. So anyways, just, just something to think about. So there are a lot of options besides actually going back to school. There's a lot of cert certifications and online courses that might be just as useful for you. And I'm just going to share a few platforms that offer uh, certifications on these courses. Actually, LinkedIn does now. Um, Coursera is another one. Udacity, Udemy, and Skillshare. Those are a few of the top ones. I've used a few of them, and we can include those in, in the notes. But they offer some great resources and certifications that might actually be just as good as going back to school. So really determine whether you actually need to go back to school. 
Um, so that's what I would I would say. Um, and Ashita, can you tell us how a coach might be helpful during these pivotal choices and also what Launch Like Next is and what Launch Like Next is recruiting for? It helps you really get to the core of what you not what it is that you what you truly want. So really investigating that because sometimes we have a hard time doing that ourselves. So a coach is going to help you investigate what you actually want and then help you determine a good plan of action for it. So that's something that a coach can really help with. And launch that thing next particularly. So let's say, you know, we talked about going back to school or switching careers, and it may be that you specifically are looking to start something of your own. And maybe you've had this dream for a long time and really starting something of your own can be very overwhelming and you don't know where to start. So that's where Launch Latin Next comes in. So Launch Latin Next particularly. So I'm co- I co-lead a program called Lanzate, which is a 10-week program that's part of Launch Latin Next. I co-lead that with Harry Lopez. And we work particularly with people that want to launch movements, companies, businesses, brands themselves. They want to launch themselves as speakers, as writers, um, or people that have started something, but they, but they're struggling to grow. So we work specifically with those kinds of people or also people that have really bold personal goals for themselves that they're struggling to, to take action on. So we work with folks like that, um, that want that, you know, have been, have been struggling to take action. So we, um, people that are looking for community, specifically all of the members in the program are immigrants or, or, or children of immigrants, particularly um, from Latin American countries, so Latinx folks, um, very inclusive. We have a lot of queer representation because we just really feel like that's really important that when you're doing this work, you're around people that understand the context that you come from and your experiences and what you be- might be coming up against as you try to launch something. Um, because what, what I've realized and, and is how important community is when you're doing something like being an entrepreneur, when we haven't really had the blueprint of how to do that. And so that's what Launch Latinx provides. It provides accountability, business support, but also a lot of, we do a lot of inner development work because what we've realized is like that a lot of times is, is, is equally important to all the business tools and, and, and systems that, that you, that you learn. So we are launching our next program. It is starting in November. And so we're recruiting right now and we are accepting applications um, through November 1st. And we do have a scholarship price for folks so really like so that money isn't stopping you from doing this if this is something that you've been wanting for a long time. So the ap- scholarship application is due on October 25th. But um, if you mention Tamarindo, we can definitely extend that if you apply after that. Mention Tamarindo See, always. <laughs> yes. And so um, y'all can go to launchlatinex.co to learn more and apply there. Excellent. And we'll have all those links in the show notes, as you know, and that's a great opportunity to work with Coach Anashela, which you're lucky to get some free stuff through listening to this podcast. So thank you for uh, brindando us with your knowledge, Anashela. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And then I have one, I didn't answer, in considering how to pivot or switch careers, what do you recommend? And I'll just say one thing on that. I would say the first thing is you're starting to research, have conversations with people in those exact fields that you want to go into and have conversations with people at different stages. So talk to people that just started and talk to people that have more years of experience. And I think that will be really illuminating to give you a sense of what to expect. So that's... So that's what I'll say. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what I was going to so, add, but you caught it. So that's excellent. So hopefully oh, we got some okay, good, good tips there for folks that want to pivot their careers. Yes. And then for you, Brenda, I have a question for you. What advice do you have for someone 
on how to ask for a raise. Yes, this is a super hard one, and I'm sure it could be a whole episode. And in fact, if you are someone out there listening that is an expert on this, hit us up, pitch yourself to be a guest on this show because we would love to pick your brain, as they say, and and go into this a little bit deeper. But I have been on uh, on the receiving end, sort of like the supervisor end of folks asking for a raise, and I think I can share some wisdom from my experiences in that regard. I think if you want to ask for a raise, you want to come prepared, right? You want to show the receipts. So if you really want to get a raise, I would maybe document somewhere. Maybe it's a little folder that you keep for yourself of like Ana Sheila's wins, right? And anything that you've done that is very concrete on where you can clearly say, here's the specific thing that I did that helped move the needle on whatever it is, file those things, right? Keep yourself a a folder of all those examples of evidence, and then even consider writing those successes in third person. (laughs) Anna Shayla was able to coordinate these resources, and that's how we were able to secure that grant, whatever it is, but write it in third person. And actually, this is a good practice so that we say actually a lot in this podcast. So go ahead and get a drink every time you hear that word, by the way. But what you could do is that (laughs) is when you document these things in third person, it makes it really easy for you to write your annual report. So this is why a good practice to do all anyways is just like file your wins and have that ammunition. And so when you ask for that raise, you can be clear and point to specific examples of why you're ready for the next level. The other thing that I recommend is that oftentimes, you know, budgets are allocated perhaps for the year and there may not be much wiggle room to recognize you immediately. So be open and don't be discouraged if the answer is no right now, but possibly later, but hold them to it. Like, okay, I understand there isn't a budget to it today. Can we schedule a check-in in three months? I want to be able to track my progress. So be open to the possibility of a not now. And don't let that totally discourage you because I did have an experience where somebody wanted to raise immediately, right? Uh, they, they were Their role was changing and we were just in the beginning of having that role change and this person wanted a raise right away. And I needed to say, hey, I need to see the data, right? We need to see you succeed in this, this, this evolving role and we could talk about it in three to six months. Well, this person ended up crying, having a meltdown. (laughs) And it was a very, it made me definitely not want to consider them for a raise, right? So do that. You know, it's very, it could be a very emotional. It's a very hard thing. Here's what happened. The outcome of that situation is that I had another conversation with this person. I said, you know what? I know it took a lot of bravery and courage for you to ask for the raise. So I recognize that part of that that breakdown and the crying was probably because this person was terrified to ask for a raise. So I do recognize folks that are asking for this raise that it is a very scary thing. And hopefully these little tips can help you get prepared for when you do ask for that. What do you want to say, Anishayla? I just want to say, add one thing on that note, if like you get the response now, now, is like, you know, you said that like the three month and maybe asking like, okay, so what do I need to do in order to get that raise and asking really specifically for that list so that like, you know that. And then if you're able to X months down the road, show that you met those 
you know, requirements and you still don't get that raise, then you can decide maybe that's not the right environment for you. And that's when you decide to, to peace out or, or maybe not. Pero, that's yeah. true. Yes. Ask for what are the things that I need to work on so that I can get reconsidered for the next opportunity that there is for that raise. Very great. I think we, we've got some good questions here. So if you have more questions around career, we saw that folks were really interested in that. Or as I mentioned earlier, if you're someone that is an expert in this area and you would like to pitch yourself as a guest and help be a third voice on this particular area of work, please contact us. You can contact us at contact at tamarindopodcast.com. All right, we're back from the break. And now for this segment, we have some fun questions that we prepared for each other that we haven't told each other that we're going to call Ask Me Lo Que Sea. So Brenda, here's my first question for you. Is there anything that you are superstitious about? <laughs> hmm, is there anything that I'm superstitious about? I am agnostic. That is what I officially am. But I do occasionally do things like, for instance, there was a, a terrible occasion that I found like a, a terrible situation that I found myself in, which I won't go into details, but I was definitely a little bit scared about what potential consequences might be there for me. And I did go to a store and I got specific crystals <laughs> and the consequences did not happen. So I guess I can be superstitious, perhaps, perhaps when it has to do with me, <laughs> has to do with me. I might, I might uh, send a little wish out into the universe. So yeah, that's a fun question. Ana Sheila, I got a question for you. Can you, a ver, a can ver. you tell me an embarrassing story? Let's see. Well, I do remember that well, this one time, well, I was only with Kim, so it's only like embarrassing to me. Sometimes those are the worst, don't you think? I get more embarrassed. Something. There's, there's certain secrets that only I know that are very embarrassing. <laughs> but I did at, 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 one, at one instance, I somehow, a lizard got in my pants. Oh my God. <laughs> this is crazy. Oh my gosh. And so I like looked down at my pants and literally the lizard is like, going in my pants oh my god like, it was kind of early in our relationship so it was where was it this in, in mexico or in in the state no in la in, un, in, un parque, in a <laughs> park in it? a park <laughs> so what did Ana Sheila, and, well, I, what did not Ana Sheila, what did kim do the funny thing is that she was like upset with me about <laughs> something so she didn't like she didn't have a strong reaction and i was like I have a fucking lizard in oh my, my pants. God. Like, can we pay attention? This is funny. You know, happening? that was the superstition, right? The lizard went to bail you out from the <laughs> that Yeah. That is so and funny. It's, this is not the first time that an animal has been in my pants. I once had a bee, a bee somehow get in my pants. And then I like had to like take off my pants and like I got the crushed bee out of my pants. So we'll see what the next, the next animal to go in my oh pants Oh my gosh. Is. That's hilarious. What's hilarious? <laughs> no sé, no sé. Les gusto. Anyways. <laughs> All right. Here's my next question. Um, what do you most admire about yourself? Mm, what do I most admire about myself? Hmm. I mean, I hope that I'm funny. I try to be funny and um, and I hope that it's true. <laughs> that's, that's one thing that I admire in other people. And I hope to bring laughter when possible. That's, that would be the thing that I yes. admire about myself. You are very funny, Pinta. <laughs> I don't have lizards going down my pants, but, oh, you know, other things, hopefully. <laughs> so here's my question for you, Anna. Sheila, what is a book that you think should be required reading? 
Okay, so the first book that came to mind, so that's what I'm going to share, is uh, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And it's a short read, um, speaks on four agreements, which is don't take things personal, don't make assumptions, be impeccable with your word, and be your best, and acknowledging that your best is different at different times. And I, those that was super helpful to me when I read it. Um, it sounds so like common sense, but it was super helpful for me. And I keep going back to it in different situations because it's so easy. It's been, it, I don't know, it's made life more enjoyable for me. It's made me treat people be better by not taking things personal and not making assumptions. Not that I do this all the time, ¿verdad? but just like even having those like reminders has been really helpful in different situations. When I catch myself wanting to be like, take a breath. It's probably not about you. <laughs> it's about something they're, they're dealing with. Or like, then don't make assumptions has been really huge también. Like, because a lot of times we tend to make the worst assumptions. Our brain goes to the worst thing. And oftentimes, again, it's probably not that también. And why, why, why carry the worst assumption when we don't know yet? You know, so the four agreements. All right. So here's my last question for you, Brenda. If you were to play a trivia game, in what category would you absolutely kill it? Goodness. I mean... That, that's a tough one. But I would say, I, unfortunately, I watch a lot of television. I, I, I'm not good at specific names, so I would probably still fail terribly because I'm not good at facts. But I do stay up with shows. So probably something about the shows that people are watching might be the trivia game that I would succeed in. And I have a last question for you, Anna Shayla, especially since we're in the spooky season. What scary movie scarred you for life? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. Um, probably The Exorcist. <laughs> that is quite scary. Yeah. It's terrifying. And that girl was so scary. Linda Blair or whatever. She was terrifying. And I don't know why I decided to go to the movie theater because they re they released it again. Oh like my uh, Like several years ago, <laughs> like when I was in middle school. And it was terrifying and I could barely get through the movie. And I had her visions of Linda Blair's head spinning around in my head. The idea that maybe this could be possible, that literally like a, like an evil spirit could inhabit you, that made me even more. I grew up Catholic. So like I was like, what if this actually could happen? Like this is so terrifying. So I think that the, the possibility of it maybe even existing, like made it even more terrifying. Yeah, so, definitely. Yeah. That's a great one. That's a great one. <laughs> well, that brings us to our last segment. More questions, but it's always fun. Our rapid fire, basura, matracas y calmas. Okay. Actually, can we start with my matraca? Okay. Because actually my basura and calma kind of go together. So bueno, what matraca. is your matraca? So I want to give a matraca to Leslie Priscilla, Priscilla who is the, um, the founder of Latinx Parenting. I just really love what she's doing. And I'll just read a little like paragraph of what Latinx parenting is. So they believe passionately in shifting the paradigm of raising children towards creating a trauma-informed, healing-centered, nonviolent, and cultural sustaining approach where Latinx familias can nurture connection in their homes and culture in ways that support individual family and intergenerational collective healing. Um, and I just love that. I feel like there's a lot that as we grow older that we're unlearning about the way that a lot of us were raised and a lot of methods that were used to 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 raise us so i really love what she's doing um and i just yeah i mean anything that's working on intergenerational healing i think is is super important so that's what i want to give him okay here we go how about you brenda my matraca goes to jaleka lantigua who by the way you all should listen to 
the podcast episode that had Anna Shayla. What is the podcast called? Talk to Mommy and Papi? Talk to Mommy and Papi about anything. Okay, y'all listen to the episode with Anna Shayla. This is by Juleka Lantigua, who has her own podcast company, Latina-led podcast company, which she has with Alicia Menendez. So anyways, we love her. But my matraca goes to this specific tweet. So she says, nine quick lessons from my inbox. Number one, no blind intros ever. Blind intros are like if I say, Anna Shayla, I'm going to, like, let's say I email you and I say, Anna Shayla, here's Julika. You two should definitely connect. Talk to you later. And I didn't warn either of you that I was <laughs> going to introduce you to each other. That is a blind intro. So number one rule from Julika, in which I agree, is no blind intros ever. Number two, offer dates and times the first time you ask for someone's time. Number three, if they send you a window, reply with a specific time. Number four, if you add people to any email thread, introduce them and their role in the matter. Don't just loop someone in willy-nilly. If you're asking them to speak at an event, include the speaker fees the first time. We don't work for free. Also, detail exactly what you're like them to speak on. Yeah, what do you want to, what do you want us to say? Number seven, if they did not reply to the first three generic emails, remove them from your list instead of checking in. I am sick of emails. Just checking in on your my the 25th time that I've ignored your email. I'm sick of that stuff. So I totally agree with number seven. Number eight, if you're looking to quote unquote collaborate, include two to three sentences ideas of how. And number nine, picking someone's brain is called consulting and it costs money. So a big, huge matraca to that wonderful lesson. Yeah, you sent that over to me and I thought it was such a great, such great tips, such great tips. Yes, I don't waste people's time. Yes. Basically is what I take from that. Yes. Don't waste don't Which I know you're all time. about, Brenda. You know you're gonna be my Oh, so it's a different song. Okay. Um, what's your uh what's your basura? My basura. Okay. So here we go. I've been very kind of deep with my basuras and introspective. So here we go. So my basura is going to the culture that's made it harder for us to empathize and easier for us to bypass other people's pain. So let me explain. <laughs> so empathy for people that are not like familiar, because sometimes people get confused between empathy and, and like compassion and sympathy and all these things. So empathy is the ability to understand, but also truly feel and be with someone else's pain. And unfortunately, our like capitalists and a lot of Western cultures have taught us that we always need to be fixing, producing and moving forward. And that doesn't leave a lot of room for empathy. And so I'll share, for example, myself, I think I'm very compassionate and very sympathetic, but I actually realized recently, I didn't realize this, that it can sometimes be harder for me to empathize because I'm very solution oriented. And that's usually more associated with being compassionate. When you're compassionate, you're like, oh, that sucks. Let me figure out how to help you. But someone, when someone tells you that they're struggling and the first thing you don't want to right away offer a solution because you might not know what the solution is and you, and that often is not what they actually need. They just want you to listen to them and hold space for them. But I feel like our culture has made it harder for, to, to actually like hold space and sit with people's pain, pain when they're hurting. So, and I think that's because a lot of us don't know how to sit with people's pain. And so we were like, okay, we want to bypass this pain because this feels hard. This feels uncomfortable. So I'm going to try to come up with a solution so that we can move on from, so I can move on from your pain as quickly as possible. And so that's what I want to put in the basura. Yes. Okay. I think uh, producer Jeff needs to listen to this, this precise segment of this <laughs> podcast. Yes, 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 yes. Well, my basura. So that is my basura. Yes, that's a good one. My basura goes to 
President Biden's immigration policy and it sadly not being too different from the last president. We still have Remain in Mexico. We we still have a long way to go. It's it's just we haven't looks like there isn't going to be a path to citizenship anytime soon. So just a big basura to the Biden administration. And overall, there's still a world of difference from Republicans. Democrats are still a world of difference from Republicans. And there's a lot to celebrate, for example, you know, the tax credit for parents. And there's there's a lot of programs that are helping families, including Latinx families. But the just the lack of difference when it comes to immigration policy to the previous administration, when that was what was promised, is very discouraging. So a big fat basura to the Biden administration on immigration. Yeah, damn. And to counter that, what is your calma, Nashayla? So my calma is a little bit related to the basura. Is just like, you know, realizing that like my default into wanting to, you know, fix things when people share things is that, um, you know, I, I want to help people, but it is hard for me to sit with pain. And so just like exploring that, that, that my default of going into fix it mode, I definitely have the best intentions, but that like, I'm not as comfortable sitting with pain for a long time. And so I am just that exploration and also practicing, noticing the impulse of wanting to go into fix it mode and not judging that, just like, okay, cool, like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I have grew up learning to want to do, help people through fixing, rather than sitting with people and, like, letting it be, not wanting to move on. So, um, yeah, like, building the capacity to be with rather than right away want to fix. So I'm, I'm, I'm excited to keep exploring that and, and also just not judging myself for, for that exploration. So and ultimately, I think our ability to sit with people's pain is what ultimately makes us more empathetic. So there you go. That's my calma. (laughs) It's full circle. How about you? Well, yeah, I know. Yeah, I've been thinking about this. But anyways, Brenda, do you have anything? Yeah, no, thank you for sharing it. We really appreciate all that thinking. I learned so much. And maybe we should should, you all tell us if you want a whole episode on empathy in all of this, because I think it's fascinating. We should definitely dive dive into it even some more. So uh, my calma is, speaking of empathy, um, my calma is watching TV, of course. I love watching TV. And and what I want to talk about right now is I binged last week. I went to bed late binging this show, but I watched Made, the show made on Netflix. I originally didn't want to see it because I... I'm really selective about what I watch and I would like to try to watch more diverse shows. And I know that the main character of the show is a white woman. So I I didn't want to watch it. But I saw um, Eva DuVernay tweet about it and how this work is really important. Okay, so Made is a woman-led project. It is a based on a memoir by a woman who wrote her book, but based on her life. And it, what I like about it is that it really showcases the struggles, financial struggles that women, and in this case, it's a woman expecting, I mean, a woman escaping abuse and her financial hardship. I think it's an important piece of work because it's beautifully done, but it also, we don't tell, we don't center stories about poor people enough. If it's going to take centering a white person's story to get people to think about 
poor people as human beings, then let's do it. You know, I'm on board. And that is what this project is. And and it's about being empathetic because we do not, we our society in the United States does not have empathy for poor people. And it often translates to not having empathy for black and brown people because in this racist society, that is who we think of when we think of poverty. And we all forget that there is definitely many poor white folks as well. And this is a really wonderful story. And it's not, I think another reason people were hesitant to watch it is because of the subject matter, a woman escaping an abusive situation. It is really a, a hopeful story. There's definitely hope. It's also creative in the way that it is told. And we all know the outcome, right? This woman wrote this memoir and she's got a Netflix series made about it. So she's doing fine. She definitely struggled and was ba- very talented in um, putting words into that struggle. And now it's this wonderful Netflix series that I think everybody needs to watch that I think is a very important piece and that I think is an exercise in empathy. So I <laughs> está mi calma. Beautiful. <laughs> I love it, Brenda. You know, I feel like you could also start an additional career as a, as a film and TV critic because every time that you recommend a show, it's like, oh my God, I got to go watch it right now after this, <laughs> after, after we, we finish this episode. Thank you. I've heard that compliment a couple of times lately. Maybe it'll inspire me to blog a little bit in our, our website page called called Agua Fresca, which by the way, listeners, you can also pitch to write. If you're watching something that you like, pitch and write and we will publish it. And with that, I want to remind people, tell us where can people learn more about Launch Latinx and remind us of the key dates there, Ana Sheila? Yes. So the next Launch Latinx Lanzate program is a 10-week program and it is launching in November and we're accepting applications through November 1st. And you can apply at launchlatinx.com. Co. And if you're a listener uh, you of Tamarindo, you them. get a freebie, yes. right? You get a little, a little extension if you can't make that deadline. A little, a little, yeah, a little, a little cushion for y'all. Yes, an extension. Great. And please, listeners, if you love this show, as you know, we really appreciate when you share this episode with a friend, write us a review on Apple Podcasts. Think about us when you uh, might have guest speaker opportunities. We've got a wealth of information between the two of us, and we look forward to connecting with you. Yes. All right, y'all. Hope y'all enjoy the show. Y nos vemos. Nos vemos. Ponte un suéter. Chao. Chao, y'all. Tamarindo Podcast is part of Sonoro Media. It is hosted by Brenda Gonzalez and Ana Sheila Victorino. Producer Jeff provides original music. Follow us on Instagram at Tamarindo Podcast and on Twitter at Tamarindo Cast. Support our show by sharing this episode with a friend, writing us a review on Apple Podcasts, or contributing financially to the show. All contributions, big or small, help us keep bringing you great conversations and free or low-cost events. To get in touch with us or to support us, please go to tamarindopodcast.com. Cuando mi arrendador dijo que el alquiler podría ser más barato si fuéramos amigos con beneficios. Había oído hablar de acoso sexual en el lugar de trabajo, pero en mi casa. Eso es discriminación en la vivienda basada en el sexo. La gente de bienes raíces dijo que estaríamos más cómodos viviendo en un vecindario diferente con gente como nosotros. Por suerte conocíamos nuestros derechos. Es ilegal asustar a los posibles propietarios para que se alejen de ciertos vecindarios en función de raza o nacionalidad. 
Si usted cree que sufrió discriminación o tiene preguntas sobre sus derechos, comuníquese con Fair Housing Foundation, Fundación de Vivienda Justa, al 800-446-3247 o también en línea en fhfca.org. La vivienda justa es su derecho. Este es un anuncio de servicio público de Fair Housing Foundation y respaldado por el Departamento de Vivienda y Desarrollo Urbano HUD bajo la subvención de FIPPI FPEI 220099.